Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. This podcast is brought to you by the new Scotiabank Passport Visa Infinite Business Card. Your business is going places and so are you. Apply now and earn up to $500 in bonus rewards. For details, visit scotiabank.com slash passport business. Conditions apply. As an online retailer, you can optimize every stage of your workflow to satisfy your customers. Learn how with the free ebook, Mastering Your E-Commerce Operations from Canada Post. Download yours at canadapost.ca forward slash ecombook. The Canadian Export Challenge and the Startup Canada Awards are coming to a city near you. Entrepreneurs in Vancouver, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Mississauga, Montreal, and Fredericton have the opportunity for a full-day entrepreneurial experience. In the morning and afternoon, attend your one-day global accelerator where you will connect to Canada's entire trade, export, and growth ecosystem. Accepted entrepreneurs have the chance to pitch to win $25,000 in cash and up to an additional $100,000 in in-kind scaling support. In the evening, celebrate the winners of the 2019 Startup Canada Awards who are driving innovation and growing the economy in your region. Register for the Canadian Export Challenge at startupcan.ca forward slash CXC and get your tickets to your local award ceremony at startupaward.ca. Here to give you a first-hand glimpse into the future of Canadian business, it's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada podcast. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across Canada. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies and those driving the entrepreneurial movement. The Startup Canada podcast show is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Really excited to bring to you something special that I've been working with, and that's a community a new community where we're engaging online with entrepreneurs from around the planet. And I invite you to join me. All you have to do is go to the link www.headspacefe.com where amazing conversations are happening with entrepreneurs. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. We are in for an epic, epic show today. Uh, I'm just so excited to have Margaret Magdesian as our guest today. She has a Bachelor of Science in Pharmacology, a PhD in Biochemistry, and a past as a professor of medical biochemistry. Margaret has dedicated her academic to career to identifying new solutions in that whole field. With this extensive knowledge and experience under her belt, Margaret 
Margaret was able to take on a new feat in becoming a scientist entrepreneur. I love it. A whole new field. Margaret is the CEO of Ananda Devices, the startup company she created to commercialize the technology that she developed over eight years of research at McGill University. Margaret's development of the advanced nano design applications devices is changing research in neuroscience, stem cell, cancer, and immunological research. That's a tongue twister for Rivers. His company is bringing drug testing into the 21st century by offering unique silicone microfluid fluidic devices that you're going to get into all this market you're going to handle all the technology words for me that enable scientists to increase standardization precision and reproducibility of cellular assays Margaret has a, has a keen eye for identifying needs, building and testing new technologies for biological applications, and bringing disruptive technology to life sciences. She has proven success in building strategic partnerships with universities, government organizations, biotech companies, and key leaders in the industry. And she is also the 2018 Startup Canada's Canadian Export Challenge winner. In today's podcast, Margaret is going to provide her insight on where Canada stands in innovation for health sciences and the importance of this growth for growth uh, for medical care in Canada. Margaret, that's a lot for me to talk about. You, with your background, is going to be very easy to talk about. Can you put it in an entrepreneur's um, uh, version? That what are you hoping that uh, our guests are going to receive from uh, the end of our conversation today? I think the most important is that the importance of health sciences in general, right? Um, technology has been changing. We're facing a digital revolution. Uh, the new world is coming, but we still need medications and we still are really bad at that. It takes us too long to develop a new medication, especially for neurological diseases. And we need to work on these diseases more specifically because they are affecting young as well as elderly Canadians. The incidence of autism today is 1 in 69 kids, and Alzheimer's is 1 in 2 of people over 80. And we don't have a clue of how those diseases start or what could we do to help. And that's why I opened my company. To make a long story short, what we do is we develop mini brains on a dish, mini brains on a chip. So we, we develop a new technology to create some silicone molds really like the muffin molds that people use now during the holidays, but they use nanotechnology. They are very, very small molds. And then we can put patient cells and develop mini brains in the lab so that we can test medication faster and more cost-effective than current technologies. That's fabulous. It's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's got to have been more than eight years of applied research. What brought you to the point that you wanted to begin this, uh, this journey in the, in the discipline you're now in and now have a company with? Well, I have been studying the brain for, I mean, over 15 years. And soon after, I realized that we do not have enough tools. You know, most of the fields have evolved really quickly because like cancer, you can always take a biopsy from the patient and, and study the cells, study what's going on. But if you have a mental disease, we, it's not easy to take a biopsy from someone's brain or someone's nerves. So we do not, the brain is a closed box and we do not know how to, to approach it and we do not know what's going on inside it. So that's why I came to McGill 
eight years ago to join the Neuro Engineering Group. And our goal was to develop new tools to better understand how the brain works and how diseases are happening today. So talk about the business of Anada uh, Devices. Um, what does it look like today as a as a business and I'm curious in your in your journey as an entrepreneur do you have a lot of entrepreneur students that are at McGill that are uh, helping you to commercialize your business yes I, I quit McGill uh, three years ago to launch a company so that I could dedicate myself exclusively to make it happen and what I saw was you know I was developing a new technology and I, I could stay at the university publish another paper and continue my life as a scientist, or I could open a company, mass produce the technology, and enable everyone else to use those models and accelerate their research. Uh, because what we do can make drug discovery faster, but you know the gap between what's being done at the university and the industrial level is huge. You know, it's it's like two huge silos. The university has evolved a lot, and uh, the industry has evolved a lot, but they, the communication between them, it's, it's not efficient. And we have here in Montreal a special environment, right, with five universities, a lot of technical people, uh, a lot of uh, incentives for R&D from the government. And then I thought, you know, why not close this gap? Why not immediately pass the technology to, to the industry? But I was very naive, and it takes a lot of efforts, and there's a lot of other variables in this equation, and the startup life is really challenging. Mm -hmm. And we're happy that we we have been very successful, but you know it's not easy, and I do believe that the Canadian government should invest much more on the innovation process. We should follow other countries like England or Germany or Israel, who are those countries are really investing in this translation and acceleration of the economy, and it has been very helpful for them. Can you share with, with us your thoughts on how Canada can adopt some of those quite easily? I think one of, uh, as I said, we have very a lot of uh, many strengths here in Canada, such as the technical people, five universities, um, many PhDs are graduating every year. So we use we should use this technology and the technology the government is investing so much in developing to really commercialize, build new companies and you know make a, a difference in the future. Uh, we have so many, you know, all those mega hospitals here around us in Montreal, and we should be able to use this data, use these patients to get a better outcome for them. Uh, but what we are lacking from the government is a massive investment in innovation per se, in the commercialization of this technology, on new startups. In the UK, for instance, there is an initiative called Catapult, which is an amazing example. They have invested, um, I think, almost a billion dollars on it, and they have delivered over 2,000 academic collaborations, uh, supported more than 6,000 small and medium companies to get to be launched in the UK. I mean, this is a huge growth from the economy. Mm -hmm. It's different from investing in a large pharmaceutical company that can move their headquarters around the world as they wish. It's really investing in companies that want to stay in Canada and want to build the economy here. I think that's what we're missing. Yeah. Is it, uh, is it in just 
purely an education around that, or is there really a a, a disconnect from the, that uh, the government realizing that 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 easy opportunity? I think the the model of investment from the government now is an old fashioned model. It's a model when you are investing in large corporation, it's not ready to adapt to a startup world. You know, like most of the money invested go to the universities to manage and not to the startup itself to launch. Um, in the U.S., it's so different. And there, every every penny invested in health science come again as come back as $8 invested in the American economy. And, and it's, so, it's such a faster pace than what we are doing here. While here we're a lot of investing in the universities itself, in uh, governmental research centers, but not that much in, in the startup themselves, which are the ones translating, which are the ones bridging the gap. Mm. Yeah, I, was, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of uh, another guest that's been on the podcast. He used to be on the Startup Canada board, uh, Tony Lacavera. And uh, he uh, he uh, has a philosophy that we actually g enable companies to do too much research through the various programs that we have, incentivizing them to do too much research and and using that as a means to grow the company based purely on research and not and not uh, turning off the tap, if I could say so, to to kind of force that that commercialization piece. Uh, are you are are you uh, are you a, 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 in agreement with that thought process? His or were you would you say uh, that maybe we need to focus more on investing more in that research uh, in addition? to the uh, acceleration of the commercialization? Well, research is, is always important, but commercialization is key. Otherwise, no one will profit from it. It will always stay like all those patents in the shelves of the university. You know, if you want to remove those patents from the shelf and, you know, from idea to impact, we have to invest in the Canadian startups, in the Canadian small businesses, the ones that are here trying to make a difference. Because the... Most of the programs from the government now for research, the government just pay 50% and usually they pay to the university. Mm -hmm. So the small company has to pay another 50%. And this is impossible. It's not viable for a startup company that just raised a venture fund and has to pay salaries and, and has to commercialize the technology. How is it possible to invest million dollars in, in, in research? This is a model that fits really well with large corporations but doesn't fit small companies, right? Small companies need to bring the technology to the market. Right, right. And, and, and this is costly as well, you know, visiting clients, becoming an exporter, um, traveling over the world. This requires some uh, investment as well. So what are the, some of the fundamentals that you've learned as an entrepreneur, going from being a scientist to being a scientist entrepreneur, that uh, you would uh, you would think are vital for, for entrepreneurs to, to understand? So I think the first thing is we have to learn how to speak the entrepreneurial language. It's really a translation exercise. And, and second is the focus, right? The first tool I developed at Miguel was a researcher tool. It was something we could test one drug at a right. time. And I tried to commercialize this tool. And we, I tried to talk to researchers and, and to scale up this business was really hard. And then we got in touch with a larger corporation who was interested in our company 
in our technology and they said, you know, what you do is great, but we, we cannot test one drug at a time. We have to test thousands of drugs at a time. So, you know, at the, at the academia, in academia, you don't really think about the scale and the problems that are, the companies are facing. So during these three years, I had the opportunity of visiting multiple corporations, visiting their labs and really see their problems and how we could use the academic knowledge to help them uh, overcome those challenges. Yeah, I, uh, I think that that's a part of very a key underlying message here uh, is educating your your client uh, as to how how a new technology in particular, because we're always looking for that innovative value proposition to bring to our clients. And sometimes we just expect that they're going to understand what it is that we're that we're offering. Are you finding that that you spend a lot of time of, of your business development time in educating your prospective clients and then they get, oh, yes, OK, now I get it. Or is there another part of it after they say I get it that uh, is part of your sales cycle? Um, it took us a, a, f- a few months to get into who is the right person to talk to in a corporation, yep. especially because we work la- now with larger farmers which that have you know R&D bases all over the world. So who should we talk to? Who is the first person and who is the decision maker? But the most important, now we figured out we have to talk directly to the technical person. And, this, and, and the industry is much more open to innovation than academia. They're much more open to invest in new technology that can accelerate or reduce costs in their processes. And and that's what we found. And especially if you find the right person, which sometimes is not exactly in, your, in the same country, yes. <laughs> uh, it's that's the key to you know to success. So let's dig a little deeper into that because uh, you're 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 touching into a discipline of business development that I think is very important and one which our audience can learn a lot from. Um, what is the process that you use to find the right person? You've you brought it down to it's the technical person, it's not the the, the, the CEO uh, that starts your journey in, into the sales. So how do you find the right person? And is it, is it just as simple as I know somebody who knows somebody using LinkedIn? What's uh, what are some of the the, the, t- the tools that you use? Well, I was very lucky that I was the winner of a, comp- of a competition in the U.S. Yes. and another one in France. And those countries are investing heavily in innovation. And when you win of one of those competitions, they immediately, they have those one-on-one matches, you know, uh. like um, where you you meet with larger corporations. I, I remember the one in the U.S. was in Washington, D.C., and I had a, after winning the competition, I had a full day of 15 minutes uh, meetings with the head of R&D of John Hopkins Hospital, the head of innovation of Philips and other corporations. And it was very easy for me to present the technology. Was there interest or not? And basically, with these two visits, I got most of my clients. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That's wonderful. Uh, and it is because, you know, I've worked for uh, so long at McGill and, and I, bet I never had the chance to meet with the head of innovation of one of the larger hospitals here in Montreal. I mean, I, I met with them later, right. but um, th- those type of things is what I'm saying. You know, investing in sales doesn't mean really pay for you to make sales, but investing in those events where startups have the chance to present their technology to companies here, uh, support larger, you know, 
give um, incentives to larger corporations to work with startups and small business in Canada. And so there are so many easy measures and we don't really need to reinvent the wheel to see how this happens. Basically look at our neighbors and in, in other countries that we already uh, have business with. And talking about challenge or uh, events, you won the Canadian Export Challenge. Congratulations on that. Thank you. And so uh, can you talk to us about your journey with the Canadian Export Challenge and uh, you know how has it helped you and helping you with your mission with Ananda Devices? Well, it brings us a lot of visibility and I really hope that we'll bring more visibility, especially in Ottawa, uh, because we're developing a technology now where we can get data, data from human patients and the human response to different drugs. And other countries are really protective about it. And our competitors in other countries are mainly being are heavily uh, receiving money from from the military. Yes. While here in Canada, uh, we have had a certain difficulty to, you know, to meet with uh, the Minister of Health or to Minister of Innovation or something to make sure that, you know, our technology is open to all Canadians. Yeah, well, and that's, uh, I think it's important to, to, as you say, nurture those opportunities. Uh, and what are you seeing uh, in other businesses that you would suggest, you know, based on my experience, I would change you uh, and do it this way. And I'm and particularly talking about scientists, scientists that are on a journey like you are with their research. Uh, is there... Uh, becoming a more of an interest for scientists to become uh, entrepreneurs, or where does this, where does that all fit in in uh, in with your profession? Yeah, well, now it's actually it's really hard for PhDs to get a job, right? There's just so many academic positions, and especially in yes. neuroscience, I think from seven scientists that graduate with a PhD, only one will get an academic position. Uh, the other six are still looking for alternatives. And I think uh, that's our chance. You know, let's see this as a, a great opportunity. That's the opportunity to make an impact, to bring research from academia and implement in the industry, to innovate. And let's hope that we can do this here in Canada as well. I saw an article on that just the other day. I forget where it was, but it was about uh, just that. There's, there were so many PhDs, and the job opportunities weren't there. Uh, they weren't a PhD in the sciences, but they were, you know, a PhD in the arts or whatever. And and how entrepreneur how they're how they're turning to entrepreneurship using the discipline that uh, they were able to um, garner during their journey becoming a PhD. And uh, so, uh, so it's interesting. You you happen to reinforce that uh, reinforce that point. So, what do you, what do you do when you're not uh, leading the uh, the global expansion of Ananda? Um, I have two kids. Right. <laughs> and what are their names? So, uh, Maite and Gabriel. Beautiful. Uh, so it's a a boy and a girl. Yes. And um, I enjoy a lot my time with them, and you know as much as I can. What do they think about you being an entrepreneur? Uh, they love they love the idea and they are very into it and I think uh, we had a, a great influence on them because my daughter is now exactly at this moment working at the Douglas at the Jewish hospital with the elderly. Oh, nice! She is studying psychology, and she works with elderly people, you know, as a volunteer. 
talking to them every day, making some exercises and make sure they stay up to date. That's wonderful. And what about your son? Yeah. My son is in high school and he's studying robotics. And, you know, maybe he'll help us somehow also the, the community and, and developing something that makes the world better. <laughs> well, I think with his mother leading the charge, I think it's, uh, he's, uh, he's got a good hand on the vision of doing something like that for sure. Um, what, do you, what do you say to entrepreneurs uh, across the country that are listening now as to how they can best use the resources of organizations like Startup Canada to help them on their journey? I think what we really need here in Canada, especially in the Montreal area, would be an incubator where we would have, especially in the health sciences, where we would have access to lab equipment and we could develop, you know, improve our technology to adapt to the market. Because, uh, as I mentioned, you know, when you open a company, you have to make sure you have uh, a product that's scalable. You have to make sure that you can mass produce it. And most People in academia don't have this idea. So the opportunity with the Startup Canada is really to get in touch with companies and to make a lot of questions on how to scale my my business, how to scale my product, how to increase sales, how to export. And ideally, we always hope for this opportunity of having an incubator with all our expensive equipments that we could develop our technology faster. It's uh, it's a it's still a fascinating um, uh, view for me that 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 in universities in particular, and I'm not suggesting suggesting this only happens in, in in McGill, but how how business the business faculties don't connect well to or on a regular basis with the technological the in, the innovation um, uh, faculties. Uh, to ultimately nurture those opportunities that we just talked about. Um, why do you think that's the case? Um, I think I had a very good experience at McGill, you know, the, the Dobson Center. Yes. Uh, they, they, I, I was, that's how it all started, was the first uh, startup competition that I won. And I think they are doing a great job promoting entrepreneurship at McGill. Um, I've always, I'm also, I'm still working at Concordia District 3 because they offer incubation space for free and labs for free. And, you know, this from Concordia University has also been a great experience. I mean, the universities are definitely uh, trying to to adapt to this world as, as fast as, as, as they can. Right. But, I mean, we really need more support from, from the government right. in the sense as a um, you know, as not only as sing- individual initiatives, but really as a as a federal initiative, as a, you know, as a country, we should move together. That's why I, I gave the example of Catapult yes. in the UK, yes. because this is a country initiative for innovation, a country initiative to, to grow the economy. Beautiful. And I think Canada should do something like that. Nice way to uh, come full circle on a wonderful conversation. Um, you're you've obviously would have read a lot of books on your journey uh, as a as a re- research um, as a sorry as a scientist. Uh, what's your favorite entrepreneur book? Oh, I think this is for twenty four steps for entrepreneurship. Okay. And this this is a good one because you know it's small and then it gives you guidance to many other books to each step of of the path. And, and the other one is very important. It's called Who. 
It's about hiring, which is always a challenge, especially for a startup. You cannot miss, you cannot hire the wrong person. You don't have the time to teach them. So uh, this has been very valuable for me. Well, Margaret, I can't thank you enough for this uh, very intriguing, interesting uh, conversation around matching science with with, uh, with entrepreneurship. I love that you're the first person I ever heard called a scientist entrepreneur. So congratulations, you are now <laughs> pegged with that, <laughs> and it's pretty cool. So thank you so much for your conversation today. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you very much for the opportunity, and have a great day. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Till next week, I'm Rivers Corbett leaving you with the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. 